Welcome to the Retzel Health Law Hotspot. Health Law Hotspot is a podcast for physicians and health professionals that covers the legal issues and trends that affect the healthcare industry. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Health Law Hotspot. I'm Erica Adler, shareholder at Retzel and Andrus and leader of our healthcare practice. And today I'm joined by Maddie McLean. Maddie is the CEO and co-founder of Boost Bariatrics. Boost builds and manages marketing automation systems for elective surgery practices. And this is something that I was not even familiar with without uh, before I met Maddie. And generally what this has to do with is providing practices that offer any type of elective procedures, the ability not to miss out on some patient volume when patients are falling through the cracks. And this is kind of a novel topic. We don't usually cover these kinds of things on the Health Law Hotspot. So very excited to have you here and hoping to kind of dive into this a little further. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Erica. So why don't we start off by having you just kind of explain how you guys came up with this idea, why you think there's a need for it. Sure. We started out of, I think, a great need in private practice. The, the first client I ever worked with was two bariatric surgeons. So two guys doing weight loss surgery. And the problem they had was they said, hey, our patients love us. They have a fantastic experience here. But then once we do the surgery, we do have trouble keeping tabs on them for follow-up. And so we've had a little bit of feedback with people saying, I feel like you guys took great care of me and everyone in the office was so fantastic. And then I had the procedure and you all kind of forgot about me. So what we were doing for other industries was building automation. And I'll, I'll explain more about automation in a minute. But so for this first practice, we set up a very simple system so that when every person comes through the door and has surgery, we would go after them with some, some nurturing follow-up uh, and then specifically asking for Google reviews. And so we, we kind of started at the, at the end of the process and found, hey, this, you know, th this process of using automation works. It, it works for any industry, but it works really well for, for uh, private practice and, and really for surgical procedures. Uh, because, you know, in a, in a medical practice, there are so many things going on. There are so many people interacting. There's so many calls and messages. Um, it's difficult for staff to keep tabs on who needs to be communicated, what message they need at the right time. So to use automation to keep track of all this, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a home run. So that's how we started was we started with asking for reviews and then we found that, oh, we can build the front end, the lead nurturing, the, the automation machine for marketing too. And that's what we did. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about that. I know one of the things that I understand about what you do is that if patients are looking online uh, checking out a practice or they've expressed an interest, but they haven't followed up. That's really where you're trying to capture those patients now to kind of get them in the door. So what does that look like? Yeah, it, here's, I think the biggest and most surprising statistic is across the country, what we see for, and when I use the term elective surgery, I, I mean, uh, really, I mean, non-emergent. So Elective meaning most dental, ortho, LASIK, plastics, uh, bariatrics. That's what we mean by elective. So I'm just using that as a placeholder for, for most specialties. But, you know, anything that's not an emergency, uh, just like any purchase that's not an emergency, you have uh, website traffic. It typically starts with someone hitting the website. And you've got lots of these private practices spending $2,000 a month, $10,000 a month, 
$50,000 a month to get eyeballs to hit the website. They put all this time and energy into the website. And what we see across the country is 3%, 3% of people that hit the website actually take the action that the website asks them to take, which for most of these websites is get started today, book now, click here to begin. And so we, we, back, we said, whoa, whoa, if you've got an elective thing here that nobody has to do today. And so when they initially hit that site, they're just looking for good information. They want some facts. Uh, they're comparing options in the city. And so you've spent money to get that person to that website and 97% and of them don't do what you want them to do. So we started with the question, okay, so then what happens to that 97% of people? What happens to them then? And the answer is, well, they, they hit the site because you spent $24 on Google to get them there. They spent about a minute looking around and then boop, they bounced and left and never came back. And what are some of the reasons you find they don't come back? Is it they forgot what site they were looking at or uh, they lost interest, they lost motivation? Or what, what kind of things are, what's the reason? Yeah, yeah. I think the reason is the, the site is offering them something that they're not ready to do, right? And so it's no different from, we always use the analogy of dating. I mean, this is, this is asking someone to get married, not when you just met them, but before you actually met them. So I, as a, as a consumer, I hit a website for the first time, uh, you know, let's say a plastic surgery website. I just want some good info. But the only thing in my face is book today, get started, get in here. And so we, we turned that upside down and said, all right, if, if a procedure is going to take a good amount of time, and this is a patient population who needs a lot of education and nurturing, let's not ask them to book now. Let's start with something higher up in the funnel or the decision process, which is, you know, it, it's, uh, it's permission marketing. And everybody, every, if I showed some examples, everyone would know what I'm talking about. It's just like any website you go to and you're not ready to buy, but they will give you something if you'll give them your contact info. And so, you know, there aren't many brands you will give your contact info to, but there are some. And so what we find in elective surgery is patients will absolutely give uh, contact information in exchange for great information from the practice. So Boost creates that information from the practice. And what I think what we're more focused on today is, you know, this is not an infomercial for Boost. This is, this is an infomercial for the future of private practice has to get more efficient at capturing qualified, motivated patients, keeping them in your, in your audience until they're ready to do something. Well, what do they get once? So they come on, they see the site, they're not quite ready. And then the site says, well, hey, why don't you give us your information and we'll send you something to think about further or something yep. like that, right? Yep. Um, and so what is your rate then, or you know, this automated, you know, of, you used to get 3%, what percent are you getting of people giving their information at that point? Yeah, well, uh, here's what I what I can say is 40% of the people that engage with Boost end up giving their their contact information. And I say engaging because what you give in exchange for that contact info, it, it can it can vary, right? It can vary by industry, it can vary by by surgical practice. That could be just some examples. It could be a quiz, it could be a PDF quick start guide, it could be uh, access to yeah, before, before access, episode, yeah, right? access yeah. to patient videos and you know the insiders club. So something right. that, that they want, and then yeah, then that's what we suggest is the practice already has all that information on the website, but nobody's going to spend all that time to read it. So 
you know, the, the foundation of permission marketing says, really, the, our philosophy on a website is a website really only has one mission, and that is to get someone's information in exchange to follow up with them. Um, if they're ready to book that day, fantastic, they will still do that. But for the vast majority of people, they're currently invisible to you as a business because you don't have a way for them to engage. So now I know one of the benefits you told me of bringing this system in is it helps free up staff um, and some of the time they might spend engaging with interested patients. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So on our, what we call lead capture tools, you know, whatever we're using to bring the person in to, to engage with the practice, we will have them answer a series of questions. And a couple of those questions, we will filter out if they're cash pay or if they're private insurance or Medicare, Medicaid, you know, basically how do you intend to pay? Uh, another question we will ask is how far along in this process are you? So are you, are you just getting started? You just found out about uh, weight loss surgery yesterday or are you so far along in the process that you are ready to book an appointment? So when that info comes into the practice, we're, we're filtering and sorting the leads based on their behavior and what they've told us about themselves. So then instead of, you know, what most, what most clinics do today is they treat every potential patient the same. So if a message comes in or an email or a call, they're going after that person to get them on the schedule. They might make two or three phone calls and then they forget about that lead because they weren't ready. So we're saying, no, you, you've got to treat different leads differently. So we bring all those leads into a dashboard. Uh, you know, a, a, a CRM is what it's called in most every industry, which is a customer relationship management software. So I'm, I'm sure at, the, at your legal firm, you guys have something where you sign into and it has all the info on every client, right? Sure. Yeah, and, and so clinics have an EMR, but you can't use an EMR really for this purpose. So this CRM dashboard brings all the leads in and tells you where they're at in the buying process. So if they're just leads who want more information, fantastic, they're in one column. If they're leads who came in and said that they're a cash pay patient, even better, they're in what we call the hot leads column. And if they're a, a lead who came in and said, I'm ready to book and here's my insurance, they are in another column. So it's not only for the staff to manage their day around to say, okay, finally, I don't have to mess with these 150 people. They can just get, they can just get the follow-up education. We'll continue to build trust. And when they're ready, they'll let me know. But these two columns of people, they need to be worked and reached out to and followed up with because they're saying they're ready to do something. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Do, and then, do you have a sense? Uh, do, do practices kind of track it all? Um, you know, what? I guess, whether they're retaining more patients, getting more signed up, or what kind of data are you seeing from this? Mm, absolutely. I, just, well, I would say most practices that we talk to, they are, I guess it's the full spectrum. You know, some practices say, yeah, leads come in and we, we write them down on a sticky note and I put them on my computer and I remind myself to call them back. So there's everything right. from, from that all the way to, yeah, they come in and we put them in a Google spreadsheet. And then some of us, kind of, you know, we try to follow up when we can. And then there's, you know, the most advanced, which is a CRM that's built for that. So I think what we've seen is if you can capture the leads uh, who are not ready for surgery today, but they want info, then if you can manage those leads in a, a pipeline, like most every industry does, you can see 25% surgical growth, 35% surgical growth, 
you know, three, four, five times the number of cash pay patients that you are accumulating. Because, you know, remember the cash pay patient is the most, uh, they are the, the consumer that's going to kick all the tires and look at every Google review and, and take their time. So they're not the ones who have, you know, a basic insurance plan. They, they can shop around. So if you're, if you're building an audience of those people, it, then, of course, more of them will come out of that funnel into your front door. So we're seeing definitely then this type of approach, and I can totally visualize it, helps practices, uh, you know, spend their time more efficiently, so to speak, right? Capture those people that are ready to kind of sign on for a procedure as opposed to wasting their time, you know, trying to get to those that are, I think it makes total sense. Now, you mentioned to me that you guys do something called mystery shopping. Um, how does that relate to this? And can you tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah, part of the, a, a couple of the pain points that we're attempting to solve is, you know, uh, what we've learned in private practice is it, it doesn't matter even so much what you respond to people with as it does speed of response. So when someone fills out a contact form or calls the practice or reaches out in some way, they want, and they want a response, you know, like, like anybody wants anything nowadays, they want it immediately. And so there's, there's a few, uh, we started, uh, we started mystery shopping practices a couple of years ago, which means we have a huge spreadsheet and we will call practices in one specific specialty and we'll take a bunch of notes on them. So, uh, you know, we're calling the practice asking, uh, how long does it take to get a first appointment? What's your cash pay price? Uh, what's the all-in price with anesthesia and facility and, and professional fee? So we're gathering some of this data and then putting it into a spreadsheet. And then we, we don't share the practice names, but we use this as a benchmark to show practices and say, hey, you, you know, when we called your practice, uh, the first two times no one answered the phone, we filled out the form on your website. We never got a response, even though we said we were a cash pay patient, we're ready to go, what's next? And look here, no one ever responded to our request. So we do, we do the series of mystery shops and take screenshots and timestamp them so we can build up some proof to, I, I think that's the, a huge challenge for a, a doctor and a surgeon who's, who's in the back and who's in the OR is they don't have the, they don't always have the time to go up front and see what's going on up there. So that's what we were attempting to do is say, how's this going? Sometimes it's going great. Usually it's not going great at all. And, um, and those are issues you can fix with automation, just to make sure that people who reach out to your practice, they get a response, they get a text and an email immediately, and they will continue to get followed up with until a human being needs to get involved. So when you use this information, you're actually using it for the practice itself. Do, does anybody get offended by that? Yeah, one guy, one guy <laughs> uh, only about one out of 50 gets, uh, gets offended and says, I didn't ask you to call my practice. Uh, no, we don't want the information, but that's right. it. I could see that happening. So when, you, when you're kind of offering to help this automated process, it, automated, I think of everything being computerized, is it support? Is it staff like from your company as well? Or is it just all computerized? Hmm. How does that actually work? Yeah, we are computerizing. We, what we, how we phrase it is uh, we automate the mundane and humanize the exception. So as leads come into the system at different parts along their journey, they will automatically get the appropriate follow-up. So just imagine a, a whiteboard uh, and, a, and some columns from left to right. 
and they come in as a, a lead on the left. And as your staff pick, clicks that card and drops it into the next column, the, the follow-up happens automatically. So if someone, you know, they go from a lead to having insurance verified to scheduling an appointment, then let's say they no-show the appointment. Well, when they get dropped into no-show, they automatically get the text and the email that follows up and tries to get them back into the clinic. So instead of, oh, I see. yeah, so instead of, you know, a person sitting there making calls and sending emails and text messages, right. it all happens in the background. Okay, so it's, you know, it's replacing some of the staff time and effort, but you still need someone to, I mean, at some point there's some human interaction, I assume, right? Exactly, yes. We say that there's a lot that, that uh, technology can do, but it does still need a competent human being sitting there pulling the levers. So in terms of, and I can totally visualize, uh, you know, especially for smaller practices, you know, there's already uh, such a struggle right now to find staffing, uh, to find, you know, uh, people just to run the office, never mind to handle marketing, right? Um, and so I could see how this would be very appealing. Is it kind of a, a lengthy process to get it set up? Is it an expensive mm -hmm. process? Is this something that independent practices out there could very quickly like get it done by the end of the year? Mm -hmm. Or is it something they need a budget for next year? Like what are we really talking about? Does it cost as much as getting a new person into your office working mm -hmm. to do all this for you? Great question. Yeah, I guess a couple of, uh, yeah, the, I think you're right. The, the pain of hiring is especially felt for the smaller practice, but also it's pretty intense now for the larger practice that has to have 30 staff members. Yeah. Uh, so the way, I guess the way we look at it is if you're having trouble and, and when we say patients falling through the cracks, we mean, you know, not only people hitting the site that don't, that don't make an appointment, but even the people who are trying to make an appointment at the practice, what most clinics don't realize is the number of people who tried to call and couldn't get through the number of emails that were sent and never responded to and the text messages that didn't get replied to because, you know, I mean, we've, we've seen every instance of, oh my gosh, you know, Shelly was getting all the new patient emails, but for some reason they started going to junk mail and for two months they went to junk mail and we never knew about it. You know, there's that, or there's, uh, you know, there's all sorts of, of bad stories about not being able to follow up, but someone even wants to go through the process and they can't make it because there's just so much human interaction and follow-up that has to happen. So little practice, big practice. The thing we learned about smaller practices is, you know, you bring, you bring an extra four five, six cases a month to a small practice, especially if they're self-pay, that is a financial game changer. Whereas a huge practice already doing a thousand cases a year, you know, five cases a month may not, may not move the needle for them. So everyone has different you know, needs and expectations, but as far as implementation, automation, uh, you know, we're not building websites. We're not posting pretty things on social media. We are a piece of software that runs in the background. So the, the setup process is a, it, it's just a little implementation with the website so that all leads fall into the system and get followed up with. So typically, you know, for, at least for our kickoff, it's, it's 21 days or less to be live and running. Um, and there are some other, I don't want to make it sound like we're the only ones doing automation for the medical world there are some other companies out there that do similar things and i think would probably have similar times to get set up so really this is where you see the trend of medicine headed i mean in order to be able to stay competitive to capture the patients out there to be more efficient because one of the problems with 
you know, medicine right now is that it is, uh, um, I mean, there's so many patients to be seen and there's long waiting times, but a lot of that could be efficiencies as well, right? Um, so you see this as being kind of where medicine is headed um, in terms of, you know, kind of the, the next step, marketing, automation, reduction of the use of your personnel, uh, so increased revenue, decreased expense. I mean, I can see lots of pros here. Do you um, see any cons to this? Do patients complain less human interaction? Do doctors feel uncomfortable relying mm. on technology? Are there any downsides at all? Mm. Yeah, I think I think they, well, let me say this, there, at some point, there will always be, you know, everyone's gotten an email from whatever, you know, from Macy's that said, you know, happy Labor Day or whatever, and it wasn't Labor Day. So there's always <laughs> a, a risk to fire off something that wasn't set right. But what we see is, you know, it, it's just like when you go to the, you go to the grocery store now and look down the line, and there are five self-checkout lanes and there's only two human beings checking out groceries right and you, you think oh my gosh you know if i'm one of those people checking out groceries I'm, I'm, aren't you thinking you know how long until they turn mine into uh, a self-checkout lane and really i think software can replace jobs yes uh i think these are the jobs that really nobody wants to do i don't know anybody who says hey i want to come into the clinic every day and i want to call and email a bunch of people who, who don't really want to be called and emailed yet. They're not ready, but I want to try right. to get them here, even though they don't want to come in here. Nobody wants to do that job. So we can do it with technology and then, right. and then we can save the human interaction for the patients that are genuinely motivated, excited, ready to go. So I think right. it, it increases the level of customer care. And I totally get where you're coming from. And, and I guess one related question is, you know, often if you're shopping on a website or you're looking on a website, you don't even give them your information. And yet, you know, all of a sudden you're getting follow-ups, either um, they're showing up on your Instagram feed or your Facebook feed. You didn't share your information. I imagine they're using cookies for that. Um, does what you're talking about here totally rely on the patient's choice to share their information? Or is there any kind of, you know, collection of information without having elected? Mm, no, we, our philosophy is we, we would never reach out to someone who didn't give permission to be followed up with. So it is what we say, what we call permission marketing, uh, which is someone said, this sounds great to me. I'm not ready today, but I, I probably will be in the future. So please, yes, send me the information, send me the education. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from the doctor. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it's, you know, you probably even know if you say that you're interested in something, suddenly you're getting ads on Instagram about it, right? So the last thing you want to see is some invasive medical procedure showing up as, you know, a potential ad. So you told me that there are some invisible killers of private practice out there. Mm. Are those kind of the ones we've covered already? Or are there some other ones that we need to be aware of? What, what are you talking about when you talk about private killers? Yeah, the two uh, invisible killers of private practice are, what we think they are, is Number one, it's staff turnover because, yeah, it's just, in, you know, in the last few years, the environment has changed so much with staffing. And that is, if you stop and think about, and you know from your own business, but the cost to the business to attract, recruit, select, 
train, motivate, manage a new employee is it is crazy high cost. And, and when, when someone comes into the practice and takes a role and then they either get asked to leave or they leave uh, of their own choice, it costs a lot of money. And that happens multiple times over and over. It gets so expensive. And the, the reason I say it's invisible is that doesn't show up on your profit and loss statement. Nobody really puts a dollar sign to, man, we had, I thought we hired a new person for the front desk. And we also had uh, a PA who left and, and those things add up, but they also add up with patient experience of things getting dropped. So if you, to the point you can take repetitive unwanted tasks off of the staff, I think you're winning. The second invisible killer of private practice is so many first-time consults that don't move on to a, a revenue-generating procedure. And so across, across any specialty, I know the, the, what we call the conversion rate varies, but you know, from, from the number, if you have 100 potential new patients sit down in front of you for that initial consult, and you, ha you have to track it, and I know some, some clinics do, some don't, but you say, okay, how many of those 100 new consults went on to buy the thing that we're actually selling here. Sometimes it's 90%, sometimes it's 30%. And so you imagine a clinic that has two surgeons and has 100 consults coming through a month, 50 of those, let's say, let's say the low end, 70 of those don't go on to the, the revenue generating event. And at some point, you're, right, you're gonna burn out the surgeon, you're gonna burn out the staff. Um, and I think the whole, the entire level of care will suffer because no one is stopping to say, what, wait a minute, why are none of these people going on to get the thing that they're coming here to get? And again, this problem is not showing up on your profit and loss statement. Um, so half the time that you're sitting in front of patients who could be going on to get the thing, they're taking up your time, they're taking up a block in the clinic and they're not going to buy the thing. So we think those are the two, those are the two private, uh, private, those are the two silent killers of private practice. Okay, makes sense. And I guess both of those really could be helped in a way by automating these procedures because maybe some of the patients coming in for those consults really weren't at that point where they should have been coming in to take up your time. And that's kind of what the whole point is, right? Yes. And I think most surgeons would tell you, man, I love, they love providing care. They love doing the procedure. They love the patients. But what they hate is saying the same exact script 42 times a day with people who are here for the first time. And so to the, to the degree that you can, you know, most of those people, if you sent that to them automatically before the appointment, they would consume it in that way. And then the conversation with the surgeon can be much more, you know, hey, tell me why you're doing this. It's great to meet you. Uh, instead of, let me tell you what XYZ procedure does. Let me talk about the options. Here's the risk. They're just saying that all day. It's awesome. Uh, I think you're right on target with those being real issues that are facing private practice. And I think all of this sounds really helpful to private practice. Um, so is there anything else we didn't cover about kind of automation that you would want people to know or understand? Um, I don't think so. I think those are the, those are the high points. You know, it's, if, if you made a list on a whiteboard of all the, the boring mundane things that have to happen in the clinic, which is you know, we, we call it if this, then that. So if a person wants to become a patient, what do they have to do? Well, they got to get the new patient paperwork and the insurance form. Well, how do we get that to them? So if you go through all of those processes, uh, you know, we, Samantha has to send new patient packet, then 
patient has to print it off and sign it and, and scan it in and fax it. If you make a list of everything that happens inside the back office with, uh, with human interaction, then you can start asking yourself, okay, how much of this can we auto put on autopilot so that it happens with the touch of a button and our staff isn't having to chase down faxes from new patients. So I think that's, if I was going to, if there was going to be any call to action, it would be, yeah, if you could block off an hour and list out the entire patient journey and along that journey, what are the things happening in the back of our office and which of those can we get computers to do, then that would be a great start. Great advice. Well, hopefully everybody out there took away from this that they have some homework to do. And I can't think of a single practice that could not engage in a review of, of what they're doing. Even my own experience as a patient, uh, I think that, you know, I, I rarely receive any of that kind of automated follow-up that you're describing. So I think there's a lot of practices that could learn a lot from this. Well, um, Maddie, thank you so much for joining me and um, your information will be shared. If anybody has any questions, they can follow up with you directly. And thanks to everyone out there for joining us on the Health Law Hotspot. You can see more of our podcasts at ralaw.com and we hope you'll join us next time. Thanks. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Retzel Health Law Hotspot does not create an attorney-client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Retzel Health Law Hotspot should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have.